Have legal questions that need answering? Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Emmanuel Shepherd and Condon. Message us with topics you would be interested in hearing on future episodes of Legally Speaking. Today we're going to be talking about understanding the consequences of a DUI. I'm Melissa Dandridge with Emmanuel Shepherd and Condon, and sitting with me is attorney Galen Novotny. Galen, tell us a little bit about yourself and your practice. Certainly. Thank you, Melissa. I, I certainly appreciate the opportunity to be here. Like as Melissa said, my name is Galen Novotny. Um, I've been practicing law here in Pensacola since 2000. Uh, I got licensed by the Florida Bar in early 2000. I've started working at a small firm. I was with that firm for five years, and then I was a sole practitioner for the next 10 years. And then in January 2016, I accepted an opportunity to move my solo practice over to Emanuel Shepherd and Condon, where I continue to practice in three main areas, which is criminal defense, uh, family law, and then also in workers' compensation. Um, today, we're here to talk about the criminal defense area of my practice, which um, I've practiced in all different areas of cases in criminal law, but primarily my practice has recently evolved into the areas of DUI, and certainly I think we want to talk about what those consequences are and what you should or should not know about what a DUI is. Um, one of the first things I kind of want to talk about, though, is what the role of an attorney or specifically a criminal defense attorney plays in our, in our justice system. Um, Oftentimes, you know, attorney might get a question, well, how can you, you know, represent somebody that's accused of a crime? Or what if you even think they're guilty and you, can you still represent them? Well, um, I think if you ask any criminal defense attorney, they would readily tell you that they believe their role is very important. Um, there's really three aspects of it. There's certainly going to be uh, the state attorney's office role that prosecutes the crime. There's going to be the judge or the jury that makes ultimate decisions regarding facts. And then there's going to be Hopefully for that individual that's accused of a crime, he's going to have a representative or an attorney who is on his side looking out for his interests. Um, certainly when it comes to representing people to crimes, I don't think criminal defense attorneys look at their role as, hey, I'm going to try to get someone out of trouble or get them off the hook um, or get them to you know avoid responsibility for their actions. I think our primary role is to make sure that individual uh, gets what's called their you know, substantive and procedural due process, which means they get their fair day in court. Um, I, I firmly believe that if the police do their job per correctly and if the state attorney's office does their job correctly, and then if their attorney does their, their defense attorney does their job correctly, then the truth should come out and then we should get what we're seeking for ultimately at the end of the day, you know, is justice. Mm -hmm. So as an attorney representing the individual accused of a crime, your job is to zealously advocate on behalf of your client and make sure that the power of the state you know, it doesn't overrun this person. Okay, make sure that they get their fair day in court and get they get a fair outcome. So it's certainly role, you know, an important role to play, especially what our main topic here, you know, is DUIs. Um, obviously, DUI means driving under the influence um, of a motor vehicle under the influence of alcohol or a controlled substance to the extent your normal faculties are impaired if you have an unlawful blood alcohol level. It's a criminal offense in the state of Florida. Um, the DUI laws have evolved a lot over the last 30-plus years. Um, I don't think any DUI attorney thinks that it's a minor and not a serious thing. Um, obviously, the number one purpose for DUI laws, I think we can all agree, it's, hey, to keep the road safe, um, you know. Um, I'm sure everybody knows somebody that their life's been tragically affected by a drunk driver. And so I don't look at it as my role as, hey, getting drunk drivers off the, you know, out of trouble or keeping them on the road. But we do want to make sure that they do get their fair day in court and make sure that if they did make a mistake, that, you know, they have that opportunity to make amends for that mistake. If there is punishment, that they'll serve that punishment, you know, that appropriate punishment, and then hopefully move on and move forward with their lives. Right. Um, so obviously our, our goal is not to make the roads dangerous by keeping drunk drivers on the road. Um, but what we do want to know is make sure the system's fair for everybody. Um, you know, DUI is kind of a unique 
crime to the extent of a little bit different than your average criminal cases. Um, you know, one thing, the elements of a DUI, the two main elements are driving or being actual physical control of a motor vehicle. And then the second one being under the influence of alcohol or drugs to the extent your normal faculties are impaired. So what that means is um, it's not illegal per se to drink and drive. It does mean if you had, you're, had one beer and you're driving a car, you're per se committing a criminal offense. Now, I think everybody agrees, and the best advice, and I guess I should say this from the beginning, is if someone asked me, hey, what's the best way to beat a DUI? And that's certainly don't get one. Don't get arrested. Don't drink and drive. Don't mix those two activities. Uh, but they are two legal activities. And even when you mix them, they're still necessarily legal up until a certain point. And, and that's where I think where DUI attorneys try to get, you know, focus in on at that point of that question of impairment or why it you know, rises to the level of where it's a criminal offense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's certainly where we focus in on and making sure that, um, you know, is certainly a client, you know, biggest thing with, you know, DUIs is that they have serious consequences and right. there's consequences that are in there for a reason because um, we're here at the, ultimately at the end of the day keeping our roads safer. Um, but there's certainly, you know, going to be direct criminal consequences that come out of a criminal conviction. We can talk about those in a little bit, but there's also collateral consequences. And what I mean by those are is certainly the criminal court is going to issue a punishment and require you to do certain things and pay fines and costs. But collateral consequences often come outside the judicial system, um, and that usually involves people's employment, um, you know, their, their, their professional status, if they're licensed. Um, I've certainly had plenty of clients that got arrested for a DUI on a Saturday night, and by Monday morning, they were terminated from their employment. Um, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, oftentimes, especially if your employment requires you to operate a motor vehicle for that employer, um, more likely than not, their insurer or their employer is not going to um, be able to keep you on driving one of their vehicles if you have a DUI conviction. Um, so those collateral consequences can kick in. Um, anybody with a professional license, um, the Florida Bar um, certainly would get involved. Obviously, like if I was arrested for DUI, uh, most people's employers would get involved. Um, if you have a professional license where you've got to report to any licensing board, so we're talking insurance agents, you know, lawyers, doctors, nurses, teachers, all these things, they certainly can in affect that. So um, we certainly want to make sure that before someone has life-changing effects, you know, from a DUI conviction that one, they're properly convicted of the DUI. Okay, so that's the main rule. Um, and again, I guess you can't stress that enough is my number one advice to be the DUI is don't drink and drive. Uh, especially today, there's so many options that are available to you. Um, you know, five, 10 years ago, Uber, Uber was, yeah, ride sharing, different forms of that weren't as readily and convenient. Um, fortunately, here in Pensacola, you have Uber, you certainly have um, Lyft. Yeah, and you know there, there's also taxis and things of that nature. Certainly, you get into some areas where those aren't as convenient, but um, it's certainly going to be a lot cheaper um, to, to avoid the DUI. Is the best the best advice we can have. Um, so, going from there, um, I guess when someone gets arrested, you know. Yeah, well, walk us through kind of what that process okay. looks like and. Certainly. So the first thing that happens is when you get arrested for a DUI um, in the state of Florida is something we call Florida's implied uh, consent statute kicks in. So um, if you're under, which states, if you're under a lawful arrest for a DUI, an officer can ask you to submit to a blood, breath, or urine test um, to measure your blood alcohol level. Okay. And if you refuse that, then they're going to automatically suspend your license for, for one year. Um, so what that means is 
as a result of your arrest, as a result of that officer, a lawful arrest means that officer had probable cause. That's a lot lower standard than beyond a reasonable doubt that would necessarily take you to convict you at trial. But when that officer believes he has a probable cause to arrest you, he places you under arrest, he's going to ask you to submit to a breath test, typically in most cases if it involves alcohol. And then at that point, um, if you refuse to do that, there's going to be an automatic administrative suspension that's going to kick in, and that's going to suspend your license for one year. Um, now, certainly, again, in you know, the United States, we certainly have due process rights, and you're afforded an opportunity to challenge that administrative suspension. Mm -hmm. Typically, it's going to kick in 10 days after your date of your arrest. But you have two options now within that 10-day window where we can certainly take actions to preserve your driver's license. Um, the first one is you have a right to what's called a formal review. And what we would do is we, we would request a formal review hearing with the Bureau of Reviews or Bureau of Administrative Reviews with uh, Department of Motor Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. Um, they would issue a temporary permit, usually good for 42 days, and then they would schedule an evidentiary hearing within usually within 30 days, mm -hmm. to address that administrative suspension. And then from there, the scope of that review depends on two things. One, if you refused uh, the breath test, then the scope of that review would be whether you're under lawful arrest for DUI, if the officer asked you to submit to a breath test, and then two, if you refused, whether he properly provides you the, you know, the implied consent warning. Um, so certainly there's areas there that need to be addressed that we can do um, to challenge that suspension and hopefully preserve your license. Okay. Um, you do need to do that within 10 days. So that's why it's always important that if unfortunately, yeah, if you get arrested, uh, you know, my advice would be to reach out and make contact with an, uh, an attorney representing individuals with DUIs to make sure you take advantage of that opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, that was always standard practice, really, in any DUI case, we take advantage of that formal review hearing. Um, however, I believe back in 2013, the Florida legislature passed uh, a, a, another option for uh, drivers that are arrested for DUI, um, and this involves if you had no prior alcohol suspensions, which means you've never been previously arrested for a DUI usually, but if you qualify, you can waive that right to a formal review hearing, and if you're eligible, you can immediately obtain what's called a business purposes only license, but it'll allow you to keep driving for anything to maintain your livelihood okay. going forward as your case goes through you know, the criminal court. Mm -hmm. So that's administrative suspension. It happens independently with what the criminal case does. And okay. uh, necessarily that outcome in the formal administrative review process doesn't necessarily affect what happens, you know, in the criminal case. But there is certainly some benefits, obviously, and if you need to drive your driver's license to maintain your employment, um, to maintain your livelihood, um, there's that 10-day window and there's some hoops you need to jump through. Um, so certainly it's time to immediately, as soon as possible, get out and get some you know, legal advice and follow what steps you need to do to preserve that license. Um, after the administrative suspension, obviously the next important thing is going to be you know the, the pending criminal case. Right. Um, in the criminal case, you usually after your date of arrest, you're going to be, uh, when you leave the jail, you're going to receive uh, what's called an arraignment date, which is going to be your first court date. It's going to be approximately about three weeks out, depending on what jurisdiction you're in. Um, and on that arraignment date, it's more of a procedural date where they just kind of do some administrative things where one, the first thing the court's going to do is they're going to determine whether you have an attorney. If not, if you didn't re retain private counsel, they will appoint counsel if you qualify. Mm -hmm. um, you enter initial plea. You can certainly resolve it by entering a guilty plea at that point. Uh, I'd strongly advise against that. Um, 
generally you'd enter a not guilty plea, and then they would assign you your next court date, which is going to be what's called a plea day or a docket day. Um, so between those two dates is when your attorney is going to do most of his work. That's when we're going to get the discovery material. That's where we're going to obtain you know, the arrest reports, um, the list of witnesses that the state would call against you, if there's any videos or they're in car, body cam, um, jail videos, anything of that nature. I'm going to have an opportunity to thoroughly investigate, you know, the facts of your case. Okay. Um, certainly that's why I would always advise is even if you feel that, hey, I knew I shouldn't have drank or I drank too much, I shouldn't have been a driving, um, it's certainly important at this stage to make sure you have an attorney take a look at it and make sure that everything's proper um, and take a thorough, you know, investigation of your case and make sure that, uh, see what we can do, you know, to best your interest, you know, in this matter. Mm-hmm. Um as it runs its process, eventually, you know, you're going to have an opportunity to resolve your case really in, in two main ways. One, you can certainly entitle to a trial where if you believe that the state cannot prove the elements of the offense against you beyond a reasonable doubt, you can elect to take your case to trial. Mm-hmm. Um, or the second option, normally there's going to be some kind of negotiated plea offer on the, on the table. Um, and sometimes when you review the facts of the case, sometimes that's the best interest of your client at that point. Um, typically, though, when I'm working a client through that process, though, we're going to do a thorough investigation of all the, the facts of the case. We're going to have all the reports. We're going to have the videos. We're going to know what all the witnesses' testimony is going to be. And then we can sit down and weigh the pros and cons of each of those options. And then at that point, it's always the client's decision, what they feel is in their best interest. Certainly, you know, my job as the attorney would give them, you know, my professional opinion. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's their case. It's their life. Right. You know, it's their decision to make. Um, so certainly that's kind of the process that we'd go through. Okay. Next thing I'd probably like to talk about is is ways that um, the state can prove a DUI okay. in the state of Florida. Yeah. Um, okay. So again, if we if we go back to the Florida statute um, governing driving under the influence or DUI, um, it, it defines in the elements of the offense of DUI as driving or actual physical control of a motor vehicle while under the influence of alcohol beverages or controlled stop since to the extent his or her normal faculties are impaired, or if you have an unlawful blood alcohol level. Okay. So what that means is, is there's two ways the state can meet their burden to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that you're guilty of the offense of DUI. Um, one, obviously, is the blood alcohol level. Now, if you do submit to a blood test or, the, or a blood test, or if there's a breath test that measures your blood alcohol level, in Florida, the current blood alcohol level is 0.08. Mm-hmm. Um, if you have a blood alcohol level and it, it higher than that, um, then that's one way they can show that you were impaired. Um, also, you keep in mind is if you do submit to a breath test or a blood test and your blood alcohol level is 0.15 or higher, almost twice what the legal limit is, mm-hmm. there's enhanced penalties. Um, okay. So that at that point, the, man, standard, the minimum mandatories would go up, which are usually going to include you know, increased fines and costs, uh, a longer potential uh, revocation of your license. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to make what's called the ignition interlock device is going to be mandatory. Um, we'll talk about those things. But... Um, the other way is whether you, you, if you don't submit to a breath test or if the state does not have that evidence to use against you, um, is whether they can show by through the testimony or the evidence that your normal faculties are impaired. Okay. okay? And people ask, well, what's your normal faculties? And I'm going to kind of read it here a little bit. Just, But, you know, the Florida jury uh, instructions read normal faculties or define them as 
They're included, but not limited to the ability to see, hear, walk, talk, judge distances, drive an automobile, make judgments, act in emergencies, and in general to normally perform the many mental and physical acts of our daily lives. Okay. So that's a little bit more open-ended. Uh, and I think this again here, where where DUI attorneys kind of try to focus on, on is, it, again, it's not our underlying goal of get drunk drivers back on the road where they can potentially reoffend or most importantly endanger other people you know and we all have families you know we have kids we use these roads we want to keep these roads safe as well Absolutely. but you know the flip side of that is is that you know the dui carries serious consequences and you know the standard you know to show you have an unlawful blood alcohol level it used to be 0.10 it's been 0.08 now probably for 20 plus years um, and then finding your normal faculties, you know, the issue there is sometimes that's subjective. You know, um, today in most DUI cases, we do have the benefit. Usually these officers are going to have an in-car camera. A lot of agencies now, almost all the officers have body cameras. Um, I always tell my clients there's kind of a double-edged sword. They swing both ways. The good thing about them is that sometimes, you know, hey, you're going to be able to see exactly what it is. So it's just not the testimony of one person's, um, you know, their subjective uh, view of what happened on that date or what they personally saw or what they recollect. We can always go back to the video and say, hey, this is what the video shows. And you can, you know, make your own personal, you know, judge with the video for yourself. Um, the flip side of that is, though, is more often, not more often, but certainly plenty of times, um, you know, if someone's arrested for a DUI, they are impaired. And the video is clearly going to show that. And it's certainly going to help the state make their case or prove their burden. Um, so the videos go both ways, but at least it gives everybody an opportunity to go back and say, hey, this is, you know, have a better idea of judging for themselves or right. trust their own eyes, you know, of what happened there. You know, the question for, you know, I think DUI attorneys, though, is, you know, those cases of unclear impairment, you know, hey, there's no question this person shouldn't be driving. Um, often at that point, you know, after we, you know, explore all the facts of the case, if the evidence is there, it's like, hey, it looks like the states can make their burden there. You know, we might switch to plan B of damage control and say, all right, well, you probably don't have a defense to the DUI, but let's let's navigate this through the system so that certainly you can make amends, take responsibility for right. your actions, but also learn from this mistake and give an opportunity to move forward with your life. Right. Um, and, and that's certainly where I think defense attorneys want to come in and make sure that someone just doesn't get steamrolled with a criminal offense. Um, and then it's on the record permanently under the DUI statute in the state of Florida. If you're convicted, if you're found guilty, or if you enter a plea to it, um, by law, the court has to adjudicate you guilty. And what that means is the court's going to formally find you guilty or formally convict you of the offense, which means that offense is going to be on your record forever. There's no way to seal it, expunge it, get it off your record. doesn't matter if you're 16 or if you're 75. If you're convicted of a DUI in the state of Florida, that charge is going to be there forever. Um, and again, oftentimes, you know, if you have your standard first offense DUI, there's no accident, there's no injuries. Um, you know, the, the statutory penalties are referred to as mandatory minimums. Um, the, normally, I tell people, look, hey, it's going to be expensive. Um, you're certainly going to have some restrictions on your liberty. You're certainly about a minimum going to be on probation. Right. Um, you, you could face jail time, but typically at first offense, you're going to have probation. Um, from there, there's going to be a list of uh, itemized or enumerated penalties in the statute or requirements that you're going to have to do. Um, that's going to do probation. It's going to call what's called the completion of a DUI school. It's going to take a substance abuse evaluation, any treatment they recommend. You're going to have to attend drunk driving impact panels presented by Mothers Against Drunk Driving. Mm -hmm. um, 
you're going to have to do community service. Um, there's going to be a vehicle impound. There's going to be a revocation of your license for six to 12 months. Um, and all those passages, sometimes clients say, well, that, what's all that for? Or is it just a money-making scheme for the state? Um, because it's all user-funded. I said, if you, you know, from the date of your arrest all the way through the process, it's going to cost you. Okay, so if you remember, hey, if that cab or that Uber or that Lyft drive, um, or if they just stayed home, you know, it's going to save, cost you maybe $20, $30. A DUI is going to be in the thousands pretty quick. I mean, you're going to have to post bond to get out of jail. More likely than not, your, your vehicle is going to be towed. You're going to have to pay to get it out of impound. Um, the DUI school costs through over $300 for first offender DUI school. When you do the substance abuse evaluation, if they recommend any treatment, if they say, say well, we're going to require you to do 10 or 15 sessions of treatment, you're going to have to pay each for those individual sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so from the beginning, it gets expensive, and it gets you know expensive very fast. And on top of that, you'll have those collateral consequences of, hey, it might affect my employment. Um, certainly going to affect your insurance is going to come back. Your insurance rates, you can expect them to go up. Um, you could be required to have what's called FR22 insurance, which is basically fiscal responsibility, where the, the, the law will require you to have higher limits than normally would be required on your insurance. So that's going to cost are going to go up. Um, so it, it's it's certainly you know you run into some stiff penalties pretty quick, even if it's you know if it's a first offense. So um, so going back to you know the two ways to prove it, you know when we talk about normal faculties, you know, and that's where. You know, when you have those serious consequences, right. well, that's when we want to make sure that the state can meet their burden. Um, because, you know, normal faculties, those are somewhat subjective. And, you know, what one person might feel is someone's been paired and someone, you know, might not agree. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in law, and you learn in law school early, the phrase reasonable minds could differ. And certainly, you know, that's the case we'd be presenting to the jury is that, you know, hey, especially with the, the, the videos to the extent of, hey, we can present the video and tell them, hey, you can trust your eyes to the extent stance of, does this person look impaired, mm-hmm. um, other than just, you know, the word of the arresting officer. Um, so the main thing here, you know, again, with the DUI cases is to make sure someone gets their procedural and their substantive process, which means we're going to make sure they get their fair day in court. Uh, we're going to make sure the burden's on the state to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. Some people might think that's unfair, but that's what our Constitution requires. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the way our system's set up. It's an adversarial system where the burden is on the state to, if they make an allegation of criminal conduct, that they've got to prove each of the elements, you know, of that criminal offense beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, and unless the jury's convinced beyond up to an exclusion of every reasonable doubt, then by law they should come back with a not guilty verdict. Um, and then, like we talked a little bit about, you know, the statutory penalties, you know, that run into those enumerated penalties. You know, I always tell, you know, clients or when I'm doing a consultation that, it, you know, especially a first offense, it doesn't matter if it was you, me, you know, the mayor, the governor, the president, you get an, a DUI conviction in Florida. And by law, the judge has to give you the same mandatory minimum sentence. They can certainly increase it if the factors of your case warrant it. Mm-hmm. But by law, they have to do that. Um you know, we talked about all these different things they require to do. I think they're well meaningful put in the law. The purpose from there is really to hopefully educate and, and prevent people from reoffending or coming back again. Um, and again, reflect, you know, pivoting back to what's the purpose of DUI laws, at the end of the day, it's to keep unsafe drivers off the road and protect our public. And right. and I don't think anybody disagrees with that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just certainly think that and I think any member of the criminal defense bar should say that look we want to make sure that you can prove to the right level that that's appropriate sentence for that person. Right. You know, if they convicted that, committed that crime, um, 
And certainly, you know, there, there's some disagreements in ways they go about proving that, whether it's through the, the, the administrative of standardized field sobriety exercises, um, through the breath testing procedures, um, whatever the, you know, the legal limit is that really, you know, realizes to the level of impairment, or if the testimony of the officers of that your client or, you know, the driver was impaired, you know, what's he basing those factors on? Um, Sometimes there's innocent explanations for the, the factors that your client's exhibiting that might have been caused his impairment. Um, so the main thing is, again, obviously, um, we want to make sure, you know, your, your client has their best day in court. Uh, make sure that the system treats them fairly and, and evenly across the board. Um, and at the end of the day, we just want to make sure that it's, a, you know, one, uh, we want to keep the road safe. We certainly agree that unsafe drivers should not be driving. Certainly impaired drivers, you know, um, you know, I used to read the statement, you know, impairment begins at one drink. Um, you know, there's depends on person to person how many drinks lead you to be impaired. So, right. the, you know, the, obviously the end, the best advice is don't drink and drive, right. you know, in the same time of, hey, how can I best beat a DUI? Best way to do it is to avoid it. Um, you know, worst case scenario for you, you know, you get an accident with serious bodily injury. Uh, or, you know, unfortunately, you know, uh, 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 death, Florida's the wrong state for that. Um, you know, it, it's, it'll get ugly for you pretty fast. Um, your average case, though, if there's no accident, there's no injuries, but you're convicted of the DUI, it's still going to be expensive. Um, there's going to be restrictions. You know, you're on probation, which means you're on community supervision, which means, well, we're not going to put you in a jail cell where we know where you are 24-7, but we need to know or be able to find you if we want to find you. And, you know, standard conditions of probation, you know, you, you can't leave the state without prior permission. You can't change your address. You can't change your employment. They need to know where to find you if they do want to find you. If that becomes a problem, then, you know, the court finds that you violated the terms of your probation. You will find yourself sitting in a jail where they'll be able to find you for 24-7, and they'll be, know for a fact that you're not out drinking and driving at right. that point. So, um, again, just, you know, the biggest things I can't stress enough is, is you know, we want to keep the road safe for everybody. Okay, but at the same time, you got to balance that of making sure that you know the constitutional rights that we're all afforded under the United States Constitution and the Florida Constitution. Um, that you know, there's got to be a balance there, and, and that's what we're just there looking to do: make sure they get that balance. And, and as I kind of mentioned previously, you know, always in my personal opinion, I believe that if everybody um, does their job correctly, which means if the police do their job professionally and properly, and that the state attorney's office, you know, prosecutes their case properly, and your attorney represents you properly and does everything that you're, you know, required to do on your behalf, then the true results should come out in justice. In some cases, it certainly might result in a conviction because um, your client, some, you know, oftentimes they did exactly what they're charged with. Um, but other times, you know, the state can't meet that burden. And if everybody does their job properly and, you know, it should result in a not guilty verdict or a dismissal of the case, and then that's the way the system should work, you know, as well. So um, I can say across the board, don't drink and drive. Uh, obviously, we, you know, we want to keep the road safe for everybody. Um, but also across the board, we also want to make sure that it just turns into, you know, one side says you were, you were driving, you had, I smell alcohol, you know, we're not only going to potentially take away your liberty or put you in jail, but we're going to affect your livelihood or your future employment opportunities, um, things of that nature, unless it's absolutely warranted, unless the facts actually prove it or results of the state can prove it. So that's the rule I feel like we take on in these cases mm -hmm. um, and, and what we're trying to do with the best case for our scenario. Um, 
you know, there's certainly, they can get complex cases. You know, it's a little bit different niche than um, other criminal offenses. Um, you know, one thing about DUIs that I think a little bit different than other cases is they really kind of cut across the whole spectrum. Um, you know, you can certainly have anybody driving from, you know, age 16. You know, I have clients that are teenagers of up to senior citizens and everything in between. Mm-hmm. You get all walks of life. Um, and more often than not, your standard DUI client is not one that's really has any other criminal record. Right. They haven't been, you know, convicted of battery or, you know, involved in, you know, illegal substances or drugs or, you know, burglaries, any other kind of crimes. Because um, going back to, you know, the elements of the DUI, it involves two legal activities. So if you're of age, if you're 21 or older, um, you know, it's illegal for you to consume alcohol. And if you have a valid driver's license, it's legal for you to drive. And again, even if you mix those two, it's not necessarily a crime until it rises to the level unless your normal faculties are impaired or if you have an unlawful blood alcohol level. And I think that's where, you know, criminal defense attorneys or DUI attorneys want to step in and make sure, you know, that legal activity or conduct, hey, the state can prove it, you know, before it rises to the level of, of charging you, you know, you know, with a crime. But um, So what would you say are three biggest takeaways um, for our listeners to remember? Should they themselves or someone that they care about find themselves um, in a situation where they're potentially facing a DUI? Certainly. Um, first one, I know we already said it, but I think we can't stress it enough. Um, the best way to avoid a DUI is don't drink alcohol and drive. Either use a designated driver, uh, public transportation, uh, ride shares. Um, you know, there's plenty of opportunities right. out there. Um, and that way, not only does it protect you, but it also protects everybody. So the first thing I would want to stress the most is don't drink and drive. Um, and so be careful of that. Um, and again, you know, that issue of impairment or blood alcohol level, you know, we don't know necessarily person to person where that, that impairment kicks in. Is it after two drinks? Is it after three drinks? Is it after four drinks? There's a gray area there. So be advised that if you um, take that chance, you might find yourself on the wrong side of, you know, of a jail cell and you might not like it or you assume you're not going to like it. So the best prevention, you know, just don't risk it. Don't risk it certainly. Um Next thing, though, to do, what I would always recommend is anybody is certainly after DUI arrest is seek counsel, seek right. the assistance of counsel. Um, your Within average, that 10 day. yeah, with yeah, as soon as possible. You know, anytime somebody calls, I try to get them in that same day or the next day as soon as possible. Um, normally, you know, it might be a day or two after the arrest, so that 10 day window is already running. So we want to get them in, um, especially if they're going to take the option if they're eligible to waive their right to that formal review hearing mm-hmm. and obtain a business purposes only license. There's some steps they have to do. Um, they have to get enrolled in the DUI school, get proof of that enrollment go to the Bureau of Administrative Reviews office, go through that process. Um, one, it's going to cost you money right out of the pocket to pay for those things. Two, um, there might be some time frames in there that you need to do it. One of the things you do have to provide is a lifetime history of your dri- or driving record history. Um, I guess so you can establish that you don't have any prior alcohol-related suspensions. Um, if you've only had a Florida driver's license, that's obviously pretty easy to obtain here in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, obviously we have a lot of people that aren't here from originally in, here in Pensacola or in Florida. Um, and if you've had driver's license in other states or more than one state's, Oftentimes, that's a problem getting that within that 10-day window of getting those records from 
you know, whatever the DMV from that appropriate state. So, so the biggest thing is, hey, get in to talk to an attorney. Certainly give us a call. Be more than happy to always do a free consultation on the DUIs. That way we can get a copy of the arrest report, sit down, size up the situation, right. as well as explain, you know, this process. And it kind of gets convoluted a little bit. So, hey, here's what you need to know about the administrative suspension. Here's what your options are, whether it's elect to have a formal review, whether you elect to waive that right to formal review, get a business purposes only license. Um, and then there you're going to switch to the second side of your DUI arrest or the consequence of your DUI arrest is going to be that pending criminal case. Mm-hmm. And then we can talk about what you should or shouldn't do and then what your options are, you know, and, and take it from there. Um, third main takeaway I would think is, um, you know, it's important to these things. DUI can have lifetime consequences, okay? We talked about those direct criminal consequences. I could rattle off for you if it's a first, a second, or a third offense, and, and a DUI is an enhanceable defense. What that means is that the penalties, the mandatory penalties, they get increased each time. So if you have a first offense, here's the mandatory penalties, which just doesn't require any mandatory jail time. If you get a second offense within five years of that first, you're looking at a, at a mandatory minimum at least 10 days in jail time on top of all the other penalties. Um, if you get a third one within 10 years of your second one, then it becomes a felony. You can get a minimum of 30 years up to a maximum of five years in state prison. So those penalties, they enhance, they can go up pretty quick. Um, so you need to be you know, advisable of that. Um, two, um, you know, you mean to make sure that you get the best representation. That way you can make informed decisions. Like I said, sometimes when we work up a case, we investigate it from, you know, the initial arrest all the way through the full processing, do a thorough investigation of the facts of the case, explore any legal challenges to the arrest, to the investigation, to the breath testing procedures, things of that nature. You know, sometimes the elements, the state's going to be able to meet their burden, and that way we can go from there to make for looking for the best outcome, you know, for your client. And again, you know, there's direct and those indirect or those collateral consequences, and and that's where it's also more important that hey, normally I would tell a client, hey, it's a first offense. There was no accident. Thank God no one was injured. Right. Definitely, thank God no one was killed. Um, they're certainly going to be expensive. There's going to be some restrictions. You're going to have some things to go through, um, but we can get you through this. You know, get you through this process. Mm-hmm. But some things we can't affect again is those collateral consequences, and they could be lifetime. So right. if it if it affects your employment, it affects your career opportunities. Um, it's always going to be on your record. You can't have it sealed, or you can't have it expunged. Um, most criminal offenses, if you have no prior criminal history, um, ultimately sometimes the state will give you an option to go through what's called a diversionary program, where if you successfully complete the program, they'll drop the charges. Um, currently, that, that option is not normally available to us here in Northwest Florida on a DUI case. So um, even if it's your first offense, and I have clients come in all the time, say, look, I'm 65 years old, never been in trouble a day in my life, I've got a clean history, you know, can't they give me any consideration for that? And I said, well, unfortunately, you know, if they can move the burden, that's their job. And if they can show that on that date that you were arrested, that you committed all the elements of the offense, then it's their job to to prosecute you on that charge. And you know, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a background. Hey, this is why I shouldn't get convicted or not. But at the end of the day, they're going to treat you just as like everybody else. And so, it's, it's certainly important that we avoid those long term consequences. Um, you know, like I said, people get arrested on Saturday. They've been terminated by their employment on Monday. Um, you know, it can affect their employment consequences, can affect their scholarships. It can affect their, you know, their education opportunities. Um, 
You know, you got individuals, you know, if it's on your background and we can't get it off, if you get convicted of that DUI, it's going to be on your record permanently. So then, you know, you get situations where individuals, you know, hey, I got this great job, you know, with this construction company. Um, fortunately, they do a lot of their work on the base and I can't pass a background check to get on one of the military bases and then they lose their employment. So um, a lot of times those consequences, you might not really know or be aware of them. But yeah. And so we certainly want to explore that. And like I said, we, we want to make sure you get your fair day in court. We want to make sure you get your substance and procedural due process. We want to make sure your rights are protected um, and, and that we balance that with the state's interest of keeping the roads safe for everybody. And, and that's ultimately our goal. Um, and hopefully at some point, you know, if we can educate your clients so that they don't come back and be a repeat, you know, back in this situation again, and hopefully, you know, that happens. Um, but uh, All right. Well, this has been extremely informative and helpful. And I think a lot of pieces of information that most people don't really know or understand, just the magnitude of the consequences in so many different areas of your life. Um, so thanks for sitting with me today. Um, is there anything else you'd like to share before we wrap this no, up? No, I would just say my, my advice for anybody, uh, whether it was, you know, a loved one of mine, I would certainly say, you know, it's serious consequences Absolutely. with these case. Um, and, and you certainly need somebody on your side to take an independent look at it and explore all of your options and hopefully get you the best outcome. Um, I hope you're not arrested for a DUI. Um, I hope you, you know, certainly don't get in an accident or injure anybody. Um, but unfortunately, if you do find yourself arrested with that, uh, please contact me or contact Emmanuel Shepard and Condon. Um, we always do a free consultation. Uh, it's confidential. Um, we'll explore your options, and then we can explain what we can do for you, as well as the cost, things of that nature, and then we, you can make some informed decisions from go there. So, okay. uh, unfortunately, if you are arrested that, I would greatly appreciate an opportunity to meet with you and see what we can do to help you out. Very good. So if you're looking for more information about Galen's practice or um, understanding even more the complexities and consequences of a DUI, you can visit PensacolaLawyer.com or give us a call at 850-433-6581. Thanks so much, Galen, and I appreciate you sitting with me today.